Hey there, it is six o'clock on Monday night, and you know what that means. It means it's time for dream infringement. That's right, come on down. It's dream infringement time. We've got stories, we've got songs, we've got hair. Here at Dream Infringement, we like to tell stories and play songs based on a weekly theme. And this week's theme is hair. Historical hair, iconic hair, 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 hair. And I know what you're thinking. Didn't you guys do a hair episode like five years ago? Yeah, we did. And we're doing it again, but slightly different this time. So stay tuned for a fabulous episode, if I say so myself. Totally unbiased. Um, of dream infringement. And did we even have an episode of hair if we didn't play hair by the Cowsills? No, we could not. And so that is our first opening song. This is Hair by the Cowsills. a hair episode a while ago and I'm not sure why my thoughts didn't go in this direction at the time they just they didn't but I was thinking about when Carrie Russell who was the lead on the television show Felicity cut her hair I think about this a few times a year just randomly just it pops into my head in 1999 Carrie Russell cut off her hair and that just lives in my brain rent-free the show Felicity revolved around the college experiences of the character Felicity and it ran from 1998 to 2002. And after filming the first season, Carrie Russell, known for what the New York Times described as that glorious head of voluminous golden backlit hair, sent the show's producers a photo wearing a short haired wig. They panicked before learning that it was a joke, but then they were like, huh, well, why not? It'll be like symbolic of her growth as a character. What followed after is a matter of uh, opinion. I mean, the show did change from Tuesday to Sunday, which cost it a third of its viewers. And that change did happen before the haircut. But it's very connected in people's minds that the haircut was what affected the ratings of the show. In 2010, TV Guide Network listed this hairstyle change at number 19 on their list of 25 biggest TV blunders, with several commentators arguing that it was the reason that the ratings of the show really dropped. And so if you haven't seen the show, to explain, she had this very, very long, super curly, honey blonde hair that had like lighter blonde highlights. And it did just kind of radiate around her like a soft golden nimbus. It was, it was beautiful. It is still beautiful hair. 
but the haircut that she got was just it was really ugly I would describe it as kind of a long pixie so before where her hair was really soft when they did it short it then looked really hard and crunchy they just had a lot of product in it and it changed the color made it kind of darker changed the the texture it wasn't a good cut for her face shape and she had some funky calics in the front that the weight of the long hair kind of kept in check but without that the curl pattern just was weird looking I think had the cut itself been executed a little differently it wouldn't have gotten so much hatred Brad Terrell a WB spokesman recounted we got a lot of emails and letters and feedback from our friends in the industry who are fans of the show people were disappointed and angry at us and at Carrie for cutting off her hair who made that decision they asked Abrams took responsibility for the decision but admitted to being taken aback people revolted against the look and the show she's so gorgeous we thought who cares how long her hair is and as she recalled in the New York Times Carrie Russell said it made me realize how much of a physical presence this character was I think it kind of hurt her feelings that people seemed to care a lot more about her hair than they did about the story or her acting like they were just in it for the hair on a segment for late night with Seth Meyers titled a message to my younger self Russell tells her younger self your life is going to be so exciting but whatever you do don't cut your hair short during the second season of Felicity she said no I'm serious people will freak out you will get hate mail you will even get death threats but gradually your hair will grow back and your fans will forgive you but you will never and I repeat never forgive your fans she must have had some interesting conversations with her therapist after that whole thing happened but I get it like you would think people were really into you for how well you were at your craft at your acting and you're thinking you're doing this really good job and to find out it's so conditional and maybe she felt like she could have just sent in like a Felicity hair wig and people would have been just as happy with that I'm also really surprised at the people that were working on the show how unaware they were that the change of a character's signature hairstyle so drastically would have so much repercussion like did these men not have daughters or like it just seems really out of touch to me they said going forward that they would pay a lot more attention to like hairstyle decisions and I've read articles about people having contractual obligations to keep their hair the same while they're working on a certain show or movie whether it's for continuity or just because they know how tied people are to a character's sort of persona it's it's interesting it's something I think only uh, celebrities really have to deal with I assume I definitely never dealt with it uh, so yeah that is the story of Carrie Russell and the haircut that made it to uh, TV guides 25 top television blunders list the song I'm going to play is 
So it's originally a song by the musician Jake, but this is just the isolated music being played by a group called the Brooklyn Duo uh, on piano and cello. And the song, did I say it was Golden Hour? It's called Golden Hour. This is in honor of uh, Carrie Russell and her hair, that glorious head of voluminous golden backlit hair. So here we go. This week I decided I would talk about two hairstyles that just have never really gone out of style and they've had many iterations over the years. They've stood the test of time and they've remained popular through the years and the first one that I did a little research on is the beehive. In 1960, Margaret Vincy Helt, a Chicago beautician who, with the help of a little hairspray and her favorite hat, came up with what we now know as the beehive. In 1954, Margaret had won a competition for National Hairdresser of the Year. She had her own um, hair salon called Margaret Vincy Coiffures, and she contributed regularly um, to a modern beauty shop, which is now a modern salon, a hair magazine. The 1950s were coming to a close. They were on the brink of a new decade, and the editors called Margaret. And this is a, a quote from her. She says, they called me and they said, Margaret, hairstyling has gone dead. There's nothing exciting. We have the page boy, the flip, the upsweep, like the French twist. But nothing is happening around the top of the head. So Margaret got to work. She said that her initial work on her favorite mannequin involved a circular wrapping of the hair on top of the head. And then she moved to a live model and she continued to kind of play with it. And she said it was getting really cute. It reminded her of a hat, a black fez-like cap she loved whose shape inspired the key architectural element. She said, I always would look at that little hat and say, someday I'm going to create a hairstyle that would fit under the hat. And when you take the hat off, the hairstyle would be there. So was born the beehive hairstyle, but it didn't have a name yet. And it's funny because Margaret did not name her most famous creation. So as she was getting ready for um, the final touches for her model to be in this magazine, she put a pin from her hat in the model's hair and the pin happened to be in the shape of a bee. And she just felt like that was the perfect accessory. And as she recalled, it was a writer for the magazine who said, Margaret, it looks just like a beehive. Do you mind if we call it a beehive? Ah, 
just perfection how it all came together the beehive has been worn by many celebrities over the years and they've updated the style and added bangs and like half a beehive and headbands and all kinds of different things um so here are some of the celebrities that really helped make the beehive iconic we've got the ronettes audrey hepburn of course um for breakfast at tiffany's that's a super iconic style and film that she was in there's aretha franklin barbara streisand Rusty springfield um kate pearson and cindy wilson from the b-52s and that was another name for the beehive the b-52 because it looked like one of those bomb things also priscilla presley jennifer lopez penelope cruz and of course amy winehouse according to amy winehouse's faithful hairdresser alex foden um, her iconic beehive started out as a bit of a joke between them. He's quoted as saying, As a joke, I backcombed her hair massively and put an extra packet of hair in. Um, and then when it came time to show her friends, everyone loved it, and she was just showered with praise and approval. And Alex says again, he said, There you go, let's go and show the finished look. And everyone loved it. And he said, oh my God, that is it. That is the signature look. It was never meant to be that big. So I said, let's turn you into a caricature. I'd get two packs of synthetic hair, which is light, put hair nets around it and sew those together. We called them fur balls. They also joked about it being a black hole. He recalled, she once couldn't find her mobile for three days. She scratched her head and it was inside her beehive. So that's a little, a little history behind the iconic beehive of Amy Winehouse. And um, of course, we know that she passed away in 2011, um, but her, her beehive lives on and she lives on in song as well. And so this is the song Valerie by Amy Winehouse. Well, sometimes I go out buzzing and I look across the water. And I think of all the things what to do. And in my head, I paint a picture. Too late, mama, enough upside your head. The headline read, The haircut was unsightly, unsafe, unruly, and unclean, along with the picture from December 6, 1963, with a young engineer back at work after suspension for sporting a beetle-styled haircut. His boss, Mr. Kaminsky, said that the young engineer would get it all caught up in the machinery. He'd, he'd get properly scalped, apparently with this hair cut. No, he would They weren't that long. Anyhow, the Beatles' mop-top haircuts were seen as a symbol of changing times, 
a departure from things conservative, a sign of rebellion and cultural upheaval, and their music and style were often associated with the counterculture movement of the 60s, which was a threat to traditional values by some conservative groups. At a New York press conference in 1964, a reporter asked, where did your haircuts come from? And George Harrison said, our scalps. But actually, I can answer that, uh, where they came from. Uh, <laughs> Europe, they came from Europe. Like people had those haircuts over in Europe, not Britain per se, but like France and Germany. Like this wasn't a new thing, but it was for the rest of the world. A woman named Astrid Kurter and her ex-boyfriend Jorgen Vollmer uh, met the Beatles who were playing and touring and she fell in love with the bassist Stu Sutcliffe and he had that that greasy slicked back hairstyle and so she combed the locks down over his forehead little snip snip and when he went on stage to perform John and Paul laughed at him Stu left the band in 1961 and then George came along and was like um hi Astrid could you do a little uh haircut on me but then when he went in front of the audience all the rockers gave him funny looks and so he combed it back the next day that was in the early months of 1961 however in October of 1961 John and Paul decided to take a spur-of-the-moment vacation to Paris and ran into Astrid's ex good old Jorgen Vollmer and they came back with the mop top cut which really made them stand out from other groups in Britain with this brand new spiffy look which is what they wanted and by late 1962 the Beatle haircut was established as sort of an easily recognizable part of their joint persona and by 1963 they'd gotten used to being harassed about it as being referred to as the four mop tops by the British press when the kids on American Bandstand saw a photo of the Beatles, they just kind of laughed at it. And when the Beatles first came to America in February of 1964, Time Magazine referred to them as having mushroom haircuts. And then it was kind of on at every press conference for them to kind of harass the Beatles about their hair. Uh, Time observed that they looked like shaggy Peter Pans with their mushroom haircuts and high white shirt collars, identifying them as four shrewdly goofy looking lads. Life magazine assured, reassured American moms and dads that British parents do not mind their offspring's mania because Beatles lyrics are clean and happy. As one critic observed, their hair is long and shaggy, but well scrubbed. Also quoted the headmaster of an English school that had banned the haircut saying this ridiculous style brings out the worst in boys and it makes them look like morons that said it seemed like a very easy cut to maintain John stated that he hadn't visit hadn't visited an actual barber in years George cut his hair when they were on tour and his wife Cynthia cut it when he was home Ringo's girlfriend Maureen who was a hairdresser by trade cut his hair and interestingly, when asked in an early interview what his future goals were, Ringo stated that his dream was to own a string of hair salons, uh, which was a goal he did not sadly accomplish. 
I can imagine it would have been like Ringo's Hair Emporium or something. I'm sure they would have made it interesting. So it's funny how just a few little things, meeting new people at a you know, small t concert you're giving can influence and change everything to where a whole generation of people is trying to cut their hair like yours. And I think part of the excitement of it being like sort of rebellious nature of it made it seem all the more exciting. It's also funny to compare it to times now. They're relatively clean cut comparatively. In the past, I'd always thought that they just like got busy and didn't cut their hair. And then people were like, whoa, scandalous. I didn't realize that they'd made a few attempts at that hairstyle before, but just couldn't quite follow through with it. But like that they were initially self-conscious about it. Few of the, the interviews said that the girls were really digging the haircut. So I'm sure that helped with them feeling more confident having it. And there's a lot of little um, like graphs online that show how their hair changed and evolved throughout the years. Mostly it just got longer and they got more facial hair. And it's interesting how people want so strongly to identify either with a sound or a trend or a group and they'll make that very obvious through clothing choices or hairstyle choices. I feel like I did that a lot more when I was younger and now I, I don't feel like there's many people that I'm trying to emulate but I think that's kind of how it is when you're a teenager. You're trying to find your identity yourself. The song that I picked, which was hard because they have so many great and cool songs, uh, was Revolution because they had a hair revolution. Whether they were trying to or not, they did. Say you want a revolution, well, you know, we all want to change the world. You tell me that it's evolution. But I'm not giving in an inch. Love it, hate it, feel neutral about it. It doesn't really matter because the hairstyle known as the mullet is here to stay. Some people say that the mullet has been around as long, as far back as the ancient Egyptians, and they feel like the famous um, okay, the Great Sphinx, uh, is wearing a mullet. And if you look closely at it, you, you can see that it possibly has shorter sides, um, and a shorter top, and then is kind of long around the back. Um, but it is, it's, it's undetermined whether or not, uh, the Sphinx actually, has a mullet. Um, people feel like he could also be wearing a head wrap or maybe all the hair was one length. 
and it was just combed back. So it's a it's a debated topic. Please weigh in. Let us know. Is the Sphinx the first um, representation of a mullet? Is that is that the Sphinx's hairdo? Yeah. Let us know on Instagram or Facebook or send us an email at dreaminfringement at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. So the people that don't believe that the Great Sphinx um, was wearing a mullet um, and that the mullet goes back that far believe that the mullet began in the 19th century when fishermen wore their hair long in the back to keep them warm. And an actual mullet refers to a fish that is popular to eat in the southern states of the United States. So that story seems to be likely. Um, There is some discrepancy in the mullet's history, particularly in determining when the word mullet became associated with the hairstyle. So before they were calling it the mullet, um, they would just describe the hair as a crew cut with hair that was of a longer length on the back. The style became popular in the 1980s when celebrities like David Hasselhoff wore the mullet. Other celebrities who wore the mullet include David Bowie, Michael Bolton, Joan Jett, Willie Ray Cyrus. The mullet had the look of a clean cut with an added drama in the back in the form of longer hair, um, a.k.a. business up front, party in the back. For whatever reason, it was an acceptable haircut for men um, in most offices where they may not have been allowed to wear long hair, but they could get away with this. And they did. There are other names for the mullet. The ape drape. Hockey hair. Mud flap. My favorite, the Kentucky waterfall. The Camaro cut, the beaver paddle, the neck warmer. Did I already say that one? Anyway, the mullet, it's its still around. It's popular again. People are getting baby mullets and pixie mullets and all kinds of mullets out there. So it's not going away. It's just evolving. And I believe it's getting ever stronger. So here's a very mullet-centric song called I've Got an Ape Drape by The Vandals. I've got an ape drape, yes I do. They're giving them to anyone, that means you. You can run the riverside and get one too. And then you'll have an ape drape like I do. Go ahead and buzz around the ears. I've been growing that one red there for years. I had it since the first time I saw Well, that wraps up our show for the week. We hope that you all sally forth into this week with um, nothing but goodness, nothing but good things to come. So stay tuned for more wonderful local shows from KSKQ, and we'll be back next week with more Dream Infringement. Good night, everyone. Um, We're going to play you out with a song by India Ari that says, I am not my hair. Okay, here's the real good night, everyone. Good night, everyone. <laughs> Little girl with the press and curl. Age eight, I got a jerry curl. 13 and I got a relaxer. I 
was the source of so much laughter At 15 when it all broke off 18 and I went on natural February 2002 I